Last week, I, I kicked off a brand new message series called Introductions in the second service, the 1045 service, service that we televise on the web. Um, I just botched the introduction to a message series called Introduction. I couldn't think of the name of the message series and just fumbled my words around. It was a horrible introduction to introductions, but it wasn't as bad as someone that uh, I want to remind you of uh, today. In 1995, David Letterman was on top of the world. This guy could do no wrong. He, he, uh, he was king of late night TV and uh, everybody loved him. He had the highest, highest ratings and he got invited to host the Oscars, uh, which is probably the second highest televised uh, show behind the Super Bowl in American television all year long. And this is how it went. Check your screens out real quick. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the 67th Annual Academy Awards. I won't lie to you, I'm very, very excited. And I've been dying to do something all day, and I think maybe we can take care of this. Oprah? Uma? Uma? Oprah? I feel much better. Have you kids met Keanu? There was a collective groan universally over that botched introduction that really cost uh, Letterman a, a bunch of uh, his ratings, and he just never, ever really kind of recovered. He was on television for a long time, but everybody kind of remembers David Letterman for that moment where he dropped the ball on that comedy bit, on that introduction. Now, let me just say this. Uh, I botched it pretty bad last week myself, but one of the, uh, one of the things you want to make sure you never do is you never really drop the ball when it comes to introducing someone to Jesus. And today I want to talk to you about this whole idea of introductions and how important they are. You know, it was a shampoo commercial years ago that reminded us you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And as believers, we want to impress upon people uh, the goodness of God and, and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the, and the good news that, that God has given us to present to the world. And if we're going to drop a ball when it comes to introductions, we want to make sure this is not where we do it. And can I just say that the biggest way we drop the ball in introducing people to Jesus is not making the introduction at all. And I'm afraid that there's a lot of us that even live as believers in Christ and followers of Jesus with no sense of responsibility whatsoever as it relates to introducing others to him. But that's absolutely the role every one of us have been given. As followers of Jesus, we've been given the responsibility to introduce others to him. I I often point to this truth and and I want to do so again today in this context. You know, when you become a follower of Jesus, the scripture says that old things are passed away and all things have become new. The Bible 
talks about the fact that we become citizens of the kingdom of God. In other words, uh, we're no longer of this world. We belong to another world, and that world is an eternal world, and it's where we're going to spend forever. Somebody ought to be thanking God about right now that we don't belong to this world anymore that we belong to the kingdom of God, again, where we're gonna spend forever with God, and yet, God has left us here. Why, why has he left us here? Why, the moment you received Christ as Savior, why didn't you immediately just get translated over into that place where you're gonna abide forever? I'll tell you why. Because God has an assignment for you here. And, And beyond just, you know, earning a check and raising babies and and planning for retirement and doing a little traveling. Listen, all those things are wonderful. I believe in this life, God wants us to enjoy life. Can I get a better amen? But that's not why we're here. That's primarily not why we're here. We are here to make introductions. We're here to bring as many people as we can with us over into that eternal kingdom. And that's our job. Somebody say, that's my job. Come on, say, that's my job. I know there's been a lot of talk about the whole Kanye West um, conversion. And I mentioned it last week in my message. Uh, Since then, uh, Pastor Kervin and and Candace uh, actually attended um, the Sunday service concert that they did over in Baton Rouge with Kanye. And uh, afterwards had posted what an incredible experience it was, how many people they saw came to Christ at that concert. And his post went viral. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I mean, it just went viral and news agencies across the country picked up on it. He actually was, uh, they were featured on um, uh, Fox and Friends uh, early one morning this past week. And uh, it was an incredible opportunity. I was so proud of our student pastors as they uh, sat there on national, worldwide television pointing to Jesus and the reality, the reality that not only can God transform Kanye's life, he can transform your life and and that he has transformed their lives. And uh, I was just so proud of them. But, um, you know, there's... There's been a lot, a lot, a lot of interest in what's happened to Kanye West. In fact, uh, I read something uh, Friday that the, the, the highest rated Google search in the world last week was Google searches about Jesus and about Christianity directly related to Kanye's conversion. Now, I want you to think about that for just a minute. Here's what Kanye West said in a recent interview. He said, it's my job to let people know what Jesus has done for me. It's my job to let people know what Jesus has done for me. Can I tell you, Kanye's not the first one to make that observation. The Bible has stated that all along. And it is all of our job as followers of Jesus, not just the pastor, come on y'all. It's all of our job to let people know what, what God has done for us and to make introductions, to help them come to know him as we know him. So I wanna talk to you a little bit today about how to make those introductions because I believe that many of us don't, many of us don't practice you know, sharing our faith with others, pointing 
others to Christ, um, telling our story and what God's done for us simply because we just don't know how or maybe we feel uncomfortable with it or whatever. So I want to just take you real quickly to scripture and I want to just kind of give you kind of a a plan of action that you can put in place. And and, and really beyond that, what I want to do today as your pastor, as someone that God has placed in your life for spiritual leadership and development. I want to just right now commission you. I just want to give you permission. I want to release you now in Jesus' name to begin to go out from this day forward and every day to begin to introduce people to Christ. And I want to just real quickly, briefly, just show you how you can do that. Number one, how do we make these introductions? Number one, share your story. Now, every one of us have a story. I was so thankful that Fox and Friends allowed Curvin to share a little bit of his story. And I, I, I sat there watching that, thinking to myself, how many people around the world right now are struggling with addiction and they were just introduced to one who can break any addiction and set them free. I, I was so thankful. I was so thankful that our student pastor was able uh, through the means of television news to let every mama praying for a wayward son know there's still hope for her son. God can still, God can still transform anybody's life, amen? And so we need to tell our story. Maybe you're here today and, and you feel like, well, Jeff, I don't really have a, a story like Curvin's. I was never bound up in addiction like that or, or, or I, I never was you know, involved in, in in any kind of criminal activity. I never went to jail. I don't have that kind of story. You may say, you know, Jeff, I mean, I gave my heart to Christ when I was seven years old and I've served God all my life. I've, I've never ever varied from that path that he put my feet on when I was just a little child. Can I tell you, yours is the greater story. Can I tell you that people need to know his keeping power is just as real as his saving power. Thank God that. Yes, he can rescue the vilest sinner like me, but he can also reach us at the early, earliest age and, and he can keep us in his hands, never to vary from his plan. Somebody say, thank God. And people need to know your story. Whatever it is, they need to know your story. I love to read about the Samaritan woman there in the Gospels, in the, in the Gospel of St. John, we have the story of Jesus' interaction with a, with a woman at a well there in Samaria. Now, Jesus approaches that woman, and he asks her for a drink of water. And this is fascinating for a couple of reasons. Number one, she was a woman, and men just didn't engage in conversation with women. It was just forbidden. It just wasn't done. Secondly, she was a Samaritan. And Jews despised Samaritans. So Jesus just throws all the man-made rules out the window and he goes and he, and he asks her for a drink of water and then he lets her know that he's the living water and he says to her, if you drink from this water I give you, you will never thirst again. He goes on to prove his divinity by telling her about her past life, things she's been involved in, things she's currently doing and her eyes get big and she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And, and she goes on to go back to her village and she begins to tell people her story. And she gives them an invitation along with the introduction. She gives them an invitation and she says, come see a man that told me everything I ever did. 
Couldn't he be the Messiah, the, the one sent from God? And so they, they send for Jesus. Jesus spends some time with them. He teaches them. He preaches to them. And in John 4, verse 42, I want you to hear their response. Uh, then the people of the village said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we've heard him ourselves. And now we know he indeed is the Savior of the world. Can you see, they became convinced of that because someone was willing to share their story. Are you willing to share your story? Are you willing to tell others what God has done for you so that they can hear for themselves what he's capable of doing from them? Can I just also point out real quickly, you don't have to have all the answers. I think some of us are intimidated to share our faith because we don't think we know enough about the Bible. Here's what you do know about. You know about how he changed your life. Just at least tell them that. At least tell them what he's done for you. You at least have that. Now look, I want us to grow in our understanding of the Bible so that we can share that as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you can at least start with your story. Another uh Interesting example of this is in John chapter nine. A blind man has been healed by Jesus. The religious leaders of the day are drilling him over it because it happened on the Sabbath and their rules said that wasn't to be. And so they're drilling him for it and they say to the guy, they say, hey, this guy's a sinner. He, he, he did this on the Sabbath and so wouldn't you say he's a sinner? And I want you to hear his response. John chapter nine, verse 25. He said, I don't know whether he's a sinner The man replied, I know this, I was blind and now I see. Can I say one more time to you? You don't have to have all the answers that the world is asking. And by the way, they're asking, again, uh, number one Google search in the world last week was about Christ and Christianity. This world has some questions and you don't have to have all the answers, but at the very least, you can let them know. I once was blind, but now I see. We love that song, Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, come on church, but I now have been found and I was blind, but now, come on somebody, I see and I want you to know my story. How do you, how do you make introductions. Number one, you share your story. Number two, you share the scriptures. Now, again, like I said, we want you growing in your understanding of the Bible. And we've put a number of measures in place to help you to grow spiritually and to grow um, in your understanding of what the Bible teaches so that you can share that with others. Uh, I, I would say the starting point for that is next steps. And that's why every week we let people know, hey, we've got these four classes available to you to get you started. But within next steps, what you're going to find out, what you're going to discover are the measures we've put in place to help our folks grow spiritually because we want you to grow not only for your own benefit, but also for the benefit of others so that you can answer some of these questions. In fact, 1 Peter chapter three, verse 15 tells us that we're to honor Jesus and let him be Lord of our lives. Always be ready to give an answer when someone asks you about your hope. Church, look at me, are you ready? Are you ready to give that answer? We want to encourage you, start with your story, but also learn the scriptures so that you're ready, so that you're prepared, so that you can point out 
to anyone who asks, what does the Bible say? Now, a few weeks ago, we were on this topic and I, I gave you a tool and I wanna reintroduce it to you today. It's one of my favorite. I've used it for years to lead people to Christ, to make introductions between God and those seeking for God. Uh, it, we call it the Romans road. I wanna give you those verses again. Romans chapter three, verse 23, will let you help someone know that all of us are sinners. It's the one thing we all have in common. The Bible states very clearly, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You move on to Romans 6.23 and the Bible declares that because of our sinful nature, we are separated from God. Our sins separate us from God. Then we can point people to John chapter five and verse eight that says that Christ died for our sins. And we can demonstrate to them that the punishment for our sins was paid for by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And then we can point them to Romans chapter 10, and we do this weekly here in our services on Sunday, but we can point them to Romans chapter 10, verse nine and 10, that tells us if we believe in him and if we confess him as Lord of our life, that we'll be forgiven, that we'll be made right with God, that we will be saved. This is just one kind of glimpse of a framework you can get as you learn the scriptures to introduce people to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to introduce people to God and his plan for them, his will for them. So let's begin to share our story. Let's get, uh, let's get further involved in searching the scriptures ourselves so that we can also, number two, share the scriptures. And then number three, you wanna share a summons. I don't know if you noticed, but all three of my points start with an S. That makes me a great preacher. And so some of you might be critical of that and go, come on, summons. Jeff, why don't you just say invitation? Did you really have to use the S just so that all of the points start with the same letter? No, I didn't have to do that. But I think summons is actually a good choice of words. You know, in the 21st century American context, pretty much the only time we use the term summons is when we're talking about a court date. We're talking about the legal system. And can I remind you as it relates to our sin that there is a law that states that the soul that sinneth shall die. We are operating within spiritual legalities. So when I talk to you about a summons, I'm talking about coming before the judge of all the world, again, so that you can be pardoned from your sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to be getting excited about right here and about right now. Can, can, I, can I remind you that the term pardon is a legal term as well? And, and the summons that we need to be giving people is the same summons the woman in Samaria and, and the blind man uh, used as well. We need to be telling people, hey, come see a man. Come experience a savior. Hey, come get connected with the one I've been connected to so that he can do in your life what he's done in my life and in so many others' lives. We're talking about being bringers. Remember Andrew, Simon Peter's uh, brother? Andrew is the first one in that family to hear G about Jesus, to hear Jesus teach. And after he heard Jesus declare the kingdom of heaven, in John chapter one, verse 42, the Bible says, Andrew brought his brother to Jesus. Can I ask you, who are you bringing to Jesus? Who are you bringing to Christ? Who, who are you giving that summons to 
to come to experience the grace of God, to experience what only God is capable of in someone's life. When you uh, came into the auditorium today and you sat down, I know you saw one of these on your seat. We had one for everyone. We also have these Christmas invites in bundles of five on our tables today. As you go out, you can take as many bundles as you think you can distribute. We're about to have our biggest outreach of the year. We're about to have over 10,000 people walk through those doors and hear the gospel with your help. We're gonna have over 10,000 people walk through those doors and hear the gospel. I said, we're gonna have over over 10,000 people. This year, we're doing eight services, eight services presenting the gospel through our production, The Real Story of Christmas. It's a powerful, powerful presentation, a lot of fun for families, but I mean very, very pointed as it relates to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ because he is the real story of Christmas, amen. And we are the real story of Christmas, those of us that have been redeemed. And so we want you distributing these invites to everybody you know. Give it to the person waiting on you at your coffee shop, at your restaurant. Give it to your coworker. Give it to your neighbor. But the one that I put on your chair today, again, take as many bundles as you think you can distribute. But the one I put on your chair today This is for someone special. In fact, here's what I want everybody to do right now. I want you to bow your heads right now. I want you to close your eyes. We're gonna pray in just a minute because this invite is a very special invite for someone God wants you to introduce to him. You can partner with your church to make that introduction, but would you right now let the spirit of God put someone specific on your heart that you're not just gonna hand an invite to, but you're actually gonna arrange for them to sit with you and your family that night. You're gonna arrange maybe to have coffee with them or a meal with them afterwards. You're gonna arrange to really follow up on what God does in their heart. God, I ask you to speak to us about who we are to introduce to you through this invite. Lord, give us a name, give us a face, give us someone that you want us to reach in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Let me say this, although our introductions are primarily about God and others, can I tell you, you benefit as well? Someone may be here today going, okay, Jeff, I hear you telling me as a follower of Jesus, it's my job to tell others what God's done for me. And maybe you're here today and you're not quite as sanctified as you should be. And you're thinking to yourself, what's in it for me? I'm actually glad you asked that question because there's great benefit for those who are willing to make introductions. Can I share those with you real quickly? What's in it for me? Proverbs 11 verse 30 said, the fruit of the righteous is like a tree producing life and the one who wins souls is wise. So here's my question. Are you a wise follower of Jesus or are you a dummy? Come on, are you a dummy? Listen, if you're wise, you're gonna be making introductions and here's what's in it for you. Number one, excitement, excitement. The Christ followers that enjoy their lives the most that I know are people that share their faith with others. In fact, here's what Jesus said in John's gospel, I'm sorry, Luke's gospel, chapter 15, verse seven. He said, I guarantee there's more happiness in heaven over one person who turns to God and changes the way he thinks and acts than over 99 people who already have turned to God and have his approval. Heaven gets excited when people get saved, but it's not just heaven. It's those that have been involved here on earth and helping them to have those introductions. There is an excitement that that 
generates in your life, that I, I got to be honest with you, it has fueled my fire for over 37 years. And it'll fuel the fires of excitement in your life. Soul winners are the happiest Christians alive. Number two, what is, it, what, what is in it for me? Fulfillment. Maybe even as a follower of Jesus, you're here and you go, Jeff, I'm thankful that my sins are forgiven. I'm thankful that God's turned my life around, but I still don't feel, I don't feel completely fulfilled. Can I say this to you? Soul winners are the most fulfilled Christians alive. Here's what the Bible said in Acts chapter 20. Uh, This is the words of St. Paul, who's traveled the world sharing the good news, making introductions. Here's what he said. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Can I tell you, that wasn't just his work. That's my work. That's your work. It's the work that God has assigned to each one of us, and it's where we find our greatest sense of fulfillment. It's bewildering to me. It's bewildering to me that we spend all of our life accumulating things and status that's not going to last. Instead of engaging in the only thing that's eternal, and that is introducing others to Jesus. And that brings me to my third and last observation. What's in it for you? Excitement, fulfillment, and number three, crowns. Crowns. Here's what's in it for you. When you share your story, when you share the scriptures, when you share a summons, here's what's in it for you. Crowns. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes to a group of people he has reached with the good news. He has introduced to Jesus. He writes to them in the Second chapter of his first letter, verse 19, he said, what gives me hope? What gives me joy? What will be my proud reward and crown when I stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? And then he says to those people in Thessalonica, it's you. It's you that I introduced to Jesus. You are the crowns I will one day lay at his feet. I don't know how many funerals you've attended But one of the things I've noticed about funerals is on the back of the hearse, there's never a (laughs) U-Haul. You can't take anything into eternity with you other than those you've reached for Jesus. And they are the crowns that, again, make it so worthwhile today to step across that line and begin to share our faith with others. Soul winners are the happiest Christians I know, the most fulfilled Christians I know, and they're the Christians most prepared for eternity that I know because they're gonna have something to lay at the feet of Jesus there in that eternal setting. I got one last thing to share with you. In our trip to Italy a couple of weeks ago, we stopped in a place called Pompeii. And many of you are familiar with that place. In 79 AD, a horrible volcano buried the city under ash and molten lava. Uh, Excavation centuries later began to unearth the skeletal remains of those victims of that tragedy. One of the things they noticed is that with all the skeletons, they found like a little cavity in the lava and they figured out that's where the person's body was when the lava hardened around them. And someone got the idea of drilling a hole down into that cavity and filling it with plaster so they could see the actual positions those people were in when they died. The fascinating thing is that, and I'll show you a picture real quick. 
So what's interesting is almost 100% of the people buried under that ash have their hands over their face because it was the gases emitted through that volcano that killed them. And then the lava buried them. Now, Jeff, why are you bringing that up today? It's interesting because one of the women in that tragedy is actually named in the Bible. Can I real, real quickly, let me, let me read Acts chapter 24. The Bible says that Felix, who was well acquainted with Christianity, adjourned the proceedings and when he said this, he said, when uh, Lycia, the commander comes, I'll decide your case. He's talking to Paul and he ordered the centurion to keep Paul under guard, but to give him some freedom and permit his friends to take care of his needs. Several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was a Jewess, and he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ. And as Paul discoursed on righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. When I find it convenient, I'll send for you. History tells us that one of the people in that tragedy at Pompeii was Drusilla, Felix's wife. Can I just tell you, there's never a convenient time to make those introductions. If you're gonna just wait for you know, everything to fall in place so that you, know, you can be guaranteed there's gonna be no hitching at all. Can I tell you, you're gonna be sadly, sadly disappointed because the perfect opportunity is never gonna arise. You're never gonna find a convenient time to make these introductions, but make them. Because the truth is those that you work with, those in your neighborhood, those that you associate with, you never know when the next victim will be, where life will bury them under some unexpected tragedy. And will they be prepared because they've heard the good news from someone like me or you?